Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And Ginny, what are we talking about today? <laughs> today we're talking about Once More with Feeling. I'm really excited. Yes, we are. I've uh, been just looking forward to it. I took notes on paper like an old-timey person because I didn't want to have my computer in front of me distracting me. See, that would have been good because I feel like I took fewer notes than I wanted to because I was yeah. just tired of, like, you know, well, escaping out of, like, the full thought. screen view and then trying to write stuff down. and Yeah. Yeah. I sort of thought I was going to not take notes at all, but then I was like, well, let me just grab a piece of paper in case, like, something jumps out at me, and then I just ended up taking notes like normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'll be at slope more slowly because I can't write as fast as I can type. But anyway... Uh, yeah, how, I was like, wait, should we take a bet now on how many times I accidentally say once more commentary when what I mean is once more feeling? It's I really, mean, I'm really going to guess that it's going to happen at least once. Okay. I mean, to be fair, I don't know that we need to even say the name of the episode more now, now that we've said it, but I still think I'm going to slip it in there once. I'll try. Yeah. Um, okay. But we're going to mix it up a little bit today because we're a little afraid of how long we might talk about this. So we're going to yeah. start with Angel start with the angel Uh, recap or angel discussion and then move in yeah yeah I think that makes Um, sense but first Jenny how are you oh good um had a little you know had some fun last night um my friends and I celebrated Valentine's Day a a couple days late uh Valentine's Day traditionally is the 13th um but we celebrated it on the 15th of February and we went to this axe throwing bar (laughs) uh it was great it was terrifying at first to be to be quite frank uh I kind of wasn't sure if I even really wanted to do it and then I was like well I know I'm gonna do it once I get there because I'm not like I can't stand to be a wimp basically or let people think I'm one but it was it was pretty scary and and it's less scary to when you're throwing an axe so sorry I don't know if people have heard of this it's not only in Brooklyn but it's you know not shockingly this was located in Brooklyn um (laughs) But like it, yeah, so you just, it's, it's like, um, it's kind of like, uh, set up like bowling lanes a little bit, you know, like you just have, you stand in front of a target or like a dartboard, I guess is probably a easier analogy, but, um, they, they have like got things set up so that it can't, you can't like fling axes where people are just sitting, but the group that you're with is standing behind you and you're doing it. And part of throwing an axe involves bringing it behind your head. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is that the people were frequently swinging axes behind them in your direction when you weren't throwing the axes. So that was actually quite a bit scarier than throwing the axe. Throwing it, you know what you're doing. I mean, it's still scary. And I was like definitely jittery the first time I went, the first once or twice that I went up, but you get used to it. But I didn't really get used to people swinging axes behind themselves while I was standing behind yeah. them. <laughs> um, it's but so yeah. weird that you guys are like, we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day. Let's go to the Bronze Age version of a yeah. shooting range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't my idea, and I wasn't super jazzed about it at first, but it ended up being a lot of fun. I think, yeah, again, like, it's not a big shock. I knew that was how it was going to turn out, which is why I did it. But, uh, it's, you know, you get a real adrenaline rush from this, things <laughs> like that, and so it was pretty fun. And it's just like with bowling where it's like, oh, the first time you hit the board, it's really exciting. And like, you know, you get a bullseye and it's like, that's really exciting. It's like getting a strike and you're like, oh my God, I didn't think I would be able to do anything. But I did get a few bullseyes. My teams, we did, you play like little games, kind of like dart style. Um, uh, My team ultimately did not win, but it was still very fun. Yeah, I think 
Um, some of my team members at work did that a few years ago and they still talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely do it again. And it wasn't that expensive. And actually the guy who was our like, you know, teacher, they, they, they stay with you the whole time. Uh, um, he was really good. Like he was really good at his job and he like knew we were there for Valentine's day and he was like, make, he made little nods to it, but like not in a way that was annoying. Like he was just very affable and I thought he did a good job. So it was like also really fun to like, Oh yeah. Anyway, how are you? Sounds like you had some sort of eventful night, but you haven't told me the details yet for once. So, so yeah, I did. So I went, um, I went last night to, um, friends live, which is like a drag oh, show yeah. version of friends, which was okay. super fun. You're back in California. Yes, I'm back in okay, California. I kind of yes. lost track of your whereabouts. <laughs> of my whereabouts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I no, I got back like late on Thursday okay. night. And okay. I um, this was part of the reason I was like, I have to be back by Friday because I want to go to this thing with my friends. And mm-hmm. I went. It was really fun. And then I got home. And, you know, it was like after 11. But I was like, I got to watch Once More with Feeling. And I'm going to yeah. get in my bed and start watching it. And so I'm watching it. And I kept hearing this noise. And at first I thought the DVD player was like acting up. And... Um, and I was like, no, this definitely sounds like an alarm. I was like, but it's outside. That's weird. But like, I hear car alarms and stuff all the time. Like, and it was like really intermittent. So it would like go on and then it would come off and it was super loud. Mm-hmm. And then, and then at this point it's like midnight or later. And my, I get a text from my roommate and she's like, are you home? She's like, I thought I heard you come home. She's like, I went downstairs oh. and I was like, and then it like dawned on me. Like I was like, was that inside, like the alarm? And she was like, yeah. So it was a building alarm hmm. that I barely heard hmm. because I had headphones on and it sounded like it was outside from where I was sitting. And mm. I go downstairs and there's like all these people outside um, and I smelled smoke. And like I smelled smoke as soon as I left my apartment. And I was like, okay, well, it's and it smelled kind of electrical. So I was like, all right, well, that's oh, not good. Yeah. So I went downstairs. So like seven fire trucks showed up, like an excessive wow. number of fire trucks. They actually like, so they like all go inside the building. They like, some guy has to like let them in with the key. And then they like, also like one of the trucks like shot the ladder, like up to a window. So I was like, is someone trapped up there? Like what's going on? Mm. And they come downstairs and they're like, who lives in like 301? And this woman's like, I do. She's like, but there's no fire in my apartment. Like, she's like, I didn't smell anything until I was in the hallway. And they're like, so they figured out it's on the third floor. And I live on the third floor. So like, we all go upstairs and they're like, oh, you guys have fresh noses. Do you smell anything? I'm just thinking like, what? It's your Hmm. job to like sniff out the fire and find it. If there's a fire, like, why are you guys asking us? Where's the fire? So then... They had us, like, open our door, and it was, like, obvious, like, it was, like, less smoke, like, when you got in our apartment. So they were, like, okay, fine. And, like, they never figured out the cause of the fire. So the whole time I'm thinking, it smells like burning plastic or something. So then Mm -hmm. they're, like, oh, well, this is what happened. So we have, like, a light well in the middle of the building. Mm -hmm. And all the the windows on the third floor to the light well were open. Mm -hmm. So they think, like, smoke came in that way because none of the other ones were open. But then their theory was, like, someone in the building next door had a fire going in their fire department. Or in their, sorry, their fireplace. And somehow Mm -hmm. the smoke came into the light well and, like, got in the building. And I I had, like, so many problems with this theory because, Mm -hmm. one, it was raining. So how is the smoke coming into the light well and not just getting knocked down? And, two... How is the smoke coming downwards? Like, yeah, that, I. Hmm. So, like, we're all standing there. Like, the fire department leaves, and we're looking at each other. Like, well, I don't trust that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I like weird. just went back to bed and like, I mean, obviously everything's fine, but it was just like really weird. Like they were just like, okay, whatever. We think it was this. Good night. And like, I just thought it was strange that they were, like, letting us in the building before they'd identified, like, anything. And then they were like, oh, why don't you guys try and smell if you can see it, if you can smell Mm. anything. And, like, my roommate can't really smell anything. And so she was like, well, I'm useless. (laughs) She's like, I'm just Mm. going to bed. Yeah. It was, but it was, like, crazy because seven fire trucks of firefighters showed up. And I was like, surely there's a real emergency, like, somewhere else in the city that's not getting attention right now. And then um, the fact what what really bothered me, though, is like I was like, I'm going to die in a fire because I (laughs) couldn't hear hear the alarm. And so I was like, I just told my roommate, I was like, yeah, thanks for saving my life. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But like she didn't she wasn't sure that I was home. So she just like went downstairs because she like heard the alarm. Now, her room is like faces the light well. So I think it was like she could smell smoke and it was probably Mm. like worse. But it's like totally clueless. Yeah. So, yeah, but then I had to come back and finish uh, my episode, okay. so it was a late night. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Hmm. But then I woke up and realized we were recording an hour later than I thought, so that worked out well. <laughs> I just took a little nap. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I was just a little bit like, yeah. my faith was shaken a little bit in the yeah. fire department. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really inspire a ton of confidence, but... Yeah, because I was like, I told the guy, he's like, oh, no, yeah, I was like, it smells like it's a, like a wire. And he's like, oh, no, it's like plastic. I was like, yeah, like it smells like, you know, it's like electrical, like a wire's burning or something. And I was hmm. like, I mean, obviously you would know, right? Like, yeah, very strange. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Anyway. Um, OK, so then this morning I watched Angel, which is okay. my clunky segue. Into yeah, great. <laughs> we're going to talk about Angel. So. Shoot, what's the name of the episode? Off, offspring. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I swear I watched it. Okay. So, <laughs> Offspring. Darla shows up back in... As we know, she's been coming towards L.A. for a while. Like, she's mm-hmm. going to go see Daddy. So, um, Darla finally arrives in L.A., and everybody's got to figure out what this mystical pregnancy thing that's happening is going on. But before she arrives, Angel and Cordelia have kind of like, they're continuing their sparring training. Fred makes a comment to Angel about um, how he and Cordelia are meant to be. And so Angel's being like really weird about his relationship with Cordelia. And, you know, they're being really sweet with each other. But then that all kind of gets ruined when Darla shows up because if you forgot, as I did, Back Mm -hmm. in season two, Angel went on this, like, dark path when he slept with Darla and afterwards lied to Cordelia about that fact, which I didn't remember, but thank you, show, for reminding me. Um, So Cordelia's pissed, and she wants nothing to do with Angel once Darla shows up, but she's trying to help Darla, who she's kind of treating like a woman in a delicate condition who, like, didn't do anything. Right. um, Despite the fact that she's Darla and a murderous vampire. Um and Angel's kind of trying to grapple with the fact that this even happened. And also, once Darla kind of goes on a rampage and tries to go eat some kids, he's wrestling with this idea that he might have to kill both this vampire who has a large part of his history and also the mother of his child and potentially his child. Meanwhile, everybody else is just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So Wesley and Gunn had robbed this man of his prophecy. <laughs> And they're trying to decipher it, and Fred mm-hmm. does some calculations and says, like, whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen pretty much right now. And they think it might be Darla, but then, or the child, 
but then we see that this man Holtz, who we've kind of seen glimmers of before in flashbacks, has somehow been resurrected in the 21st century. So mm-hmm. it's heavily implied that he is the thing that has come to mm-hmm. fulfill the prophecy. I don't. It's not really clear what the point yeah, of it is. What it is. Something yeah. bad is is coming. Yeah, and they still yeah. don't know what is going on with the pregnancy, but they do realize that it has a heartbeat and a soul. So right. Angel can't kill Darla. Mm-hmm. So fun. <sighs> I mean, we, you know, you and I just briefly, briefly touched on my opinion of this episode, which is <laughs> not, it's not, I do have some critiques, but mostly I just thought it was very boring. Like, I really almost already forgot why, what happened. I didn't care. I think part, well... I don't care about Holtz, and I don't like Darla. So there was kind of a lot for me to just kind of be like, okay, okay, get through this, get through this. But then I, I guess the rest of it just was very meh. Like, I feel like not a lot happened in this episode. Like, what was the arc of this episode? Because there kind of isn't one. I think that's why it was ultimately so boring to me. I was like, but what even happened in this episode? Like, they're talking about a prophecy out of nowhere. They rob a guy out of nowhere. Like, it's not really attached to anything that's been happening other than Darla, obviously, is like a callback to the previous season. But, like... What happened in this episode? You know, like if you had to pin it down in one sentence, I don't think you could do it. No, I had a very similar thought where this episode, yeah, (laughs) you know, episode felt really disjointed. (laughs) Yeah, like um, because it's like they're coming into it, like they're continuing a story that we have already started. Like some of the dialogue made me feel like this was really out of sync. So and, and then like and then I was like, oh, they're trying to be clever by introducing it that way, but it. It, it really didn't pan out. I think also because, like, because then the, once again, it's like we've seen a few prophecies. They've all kind of been, you know, it's not the strongest storytelling trick that they have. Ugh. No, but I mean, I also felt like maybe this aired out of order or maybe something. It did. Because, you know, we haven't seen Holtz in a while. Like, yeah. he was in, like, maybe some flashbacks in the first couple episodes. Like, he was definitely in the premiere And then we haven't even seen Darla in a while. So to kind of bring them both back like this feels like, I mean, they they made an attempt. They put in a flashback, but it's not Mm -hmm. really telling you anything. And it's kind of a rehash of every other flashback that they've ever done. And so it kind of felt like they expected we were supposed to already get where this story was and like where it's going. And I was just kind of like, wait, what? So yeah. But then it's not really out of order because like the host is cleaning up his club and all this stuff. So yeah, it's a little messy, I think. Skimming the wiki doesn't suggest that it aired out of order, but maybe I... Yeah. You know, and even even to the point where... So the fi- the climax... Not climax, really, but the conclusion of this episode is that Holtz has been... You know, we don't exactly know how he's come back, whether he was brought back from the dead or he was frozen. It seems more like he's been frozen for the last, you know, couple centuries. But, um, like, even the demon who brought him back, I was like, but who's this guy? You know, like, it was just yeah. like, why are you introducing so many things... It's weird that they brought Holtz back via another person that we don't know because we still barely know Holtz. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't know why they didn't just make it Wolfram and Hart. I guess because they were trying not to just do the same thing over and over again. But it, I don't know. It just was. But just, I would just, have bought that more. That like me too. Wolfram I, and Hart like identified this man from Angel's past and like brought him back. Like to me, because of everything we've seen Lila try to do, that would have made a lot more sense. I agree. I mean, I loved the demon because he was just like smoking and watching sure, just like yeah. apocalypse <laughs> happen. But like, I I'm just like who also is didn't he? understand. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of find out, but it, yeah, from a t- storytelling perspective, it just felt like they picked up a thread that like got lost a long time I, ago, and like yeah. I just kind of forgot all about it. 
I really think they were trying to be clever and kind of do, you know, and it can work sometimes when you introduce things in a kind of a non-linear way, right? So I think they just tried that, and I just think it they didn't, they botched it. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. you're trying to do this multiple times in one episode, all with characters and storylines that we're not familiar with. So it's like, I think if you want to do something like that, it's got to be more with, if you, maybe if you do it with a core cast only, then it kind of works, because it's like, yeah... You know, it's not the same at all as this, but I was thinking a little bit about the Zeppo where it's like we keep seeing these flashes of scenes where we're not really getting the context. But like we know and love those characters so well that you don't need it to understand. I mean, and also it's like a, it's the joke of the episode. So that's why it's not a very good comparison. But I still feel like that was an example of like you can kind of jump into the middle of these things and you don't always need all of the background, but not with all new characters and big plot twists. Like, I think that's not the time for that. Yeah, I a lot so. of it didn't like it, it wasn't like so like I think you're right I think it's fine like it was not yeah. like a bad episode but it didn't do what I think it was supposed to do and exactly also because I think when I think about this episode it's the beginning of an arc so there's right not a ton that's happening but also it's just not that interesting for a beginning like it doesn't really it's at this not. point make me want to see the rest of it no so I mean, and, and like, I guess it should that's be a big deal. Like Angel yeah. having a son or sorry, excuse me, spoiler, a child <laughs> should be. Yeah. A big deal, but it feels yeah. kind of like a nothing. Like the way they play it is like, it's not this bombshell. It's just like, you know. Yeah. Well, they, you know, I think that's part of it too. I guess I'm trying to not be negative about this episode because ultimately it didn't bother me the way some of the episodes I've truly not liked did. But I also feel like they used the the revelation mostly as a tool to draw a wedge between Cordelia and Angel. And I'm like, that's such yeah. a weird choice for this. Again, for this news. Like, first of all, I'm resentful that they're doing that at all because I just don't like having my emotions toyed with. I think Angel and Cordelia have been making great progress. I think this was kind of a superficial way to to, to, to halt that for a while. Um, but, but now that you're bringing this up, it is kind of making me think like, well, it also is... Yes, this should be a big moment in Angel's life and in his story. So the fact that they're using it as like kind of a B-plot to his romance with Cordelia is just very strange. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, why, why is that the thing that they're fighting over? And then it made Cordelia act really annoying because I don't, I hate, was like, why are you being so nice to Darla? <laughs> you're only doing this because you're mad at Angel, but this is like a really misguided way to take out those emotions. And admittedly, that was like the point, I think, but. Well, and just, there was a bit, like, there was a tone what? to all of that that I found really strange where. I agree. Darla kept saying, like, you did this to me. And Cordelia was like, haven't you done enough? And like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm sorry. Darla, did it Darla basically seduced him. And <laughs> yeah. she was a willing partner in all of this. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, all of this happened. Like, maybe, okay, the pregnancy against her will, sure, because she's a vampire and that's right. not supposed to happen. But, but like, he couldn't have known that. Of course. And like, yeah. it's just such a weird tone of like blaming Angel when he's yeah. like oblivious. And yeah, but then he, he was also being really like rude about, it. you know what I mean? Like he also, like you're saying, like he didn't react to the news of having a child the way that I think Angel, broody, mopey, emotional Angel would have reacted. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't think he would have been that callous, even though he obviously has a really complicated history with Darla specifically. Like, I just well, don't think he would be so blase about it. And I was thinking maybe part of it was because, like, they're all assuming at this point that a child born of two vampires must be some sort of monster. Right. But And it's not until he, like, hears the heartbeat and, like, can tell it has a soul that, you know, that's not the case. But I just don't think he would kill his own kid, even if it was a monster. Yeah. It it was all very strange, I think. And I... I yeah. feel like everything felt strange. Like, the tone of the it flashbacks really, felt strange. Yeah. And, oh, why like, is Holt wearing sunglasses? Okay, yes, I was wondering <laughs> I was that. Like, why did he kick off 
the scene, this episode with a weird anachronism. I was like, is there something I don't know about the history of sunglasses? But there's not. (laughs) And then, you know, also like his, his working with like, you know, the Cardinal and like all of this just all felt, and like the, um, torture scene just felt very like blah, like there's never any indication that Angel's going to be in danger. Like I just... It all felt very kind of, like, half-assed, I think. It did. It felt, yeah, or, like, underbaked. Yeah. It's like, you threw 20 different plot lines into this episode. Not a single one of them was tied to anything that happened in the last episode, and none of them amounted to anything, so... Yeah. Uh, kind I mean, of like we get we a threw, little bit of threads, those, like... Threw the pickup sticks in the air and just let them fall on the ground. Yeah. Like, eh, there it is. <laughs> there's a few threads. Like, Angel's treating right, yeah, Fred yeah. with kid gloves, and, like, you know, we're seeing some of that, but it it, it does kind of feel like... They're picking up a thread that they just dropped, and then it's also now coming out of nowhere, and there's no relation. I think, like, there's no through line to the rest of the mm-hmm. episodes that we've seen, and it's, it's frankly, yeah. it's irritating. because the, th- the through line is the blossoming romance between Angel and Cordelia, but that's the one thing that gets squashed in the episode. So it's like, again, like, I don't know that that is a satisfying way to tell a story. <laughs> Rather, I know it's not a satisfying way to tell a story. Right. Sigh. I mean, and even, like, the heist, the little heist scene at the beginning with Gunn and, Gun and uh, Wesley is normally the sort of thing that I would really get a kick out of. And, like, it was funny, and I liked the way, you know, I liked the way it played out. But, again, it was like, what is this doing in this episode, though? Like, I... Well, it like, it's like, why are they doing like this? What, exactly. What like, is this prophecy? Why are they breaking and entering in the middle of the day? Why all yeah, of it? and who was that guy? You know, it was just, like, everybody was a new character. And they're not all going to come back. No. Ugh, okay. All right, I guess I didn't like this episode. But more than anything, it was just very boring. I thought it was very boring, and I think that is because of the structural reasons that we're bringing up. Like, it just didn't... It was not well-plotted, and it wasn't tied well to the existing storyline and continuity. So it just was like, yeah, even if there were... Even if I'm never going to like a Darla story, I could have liked it more than this. Yeah. And I'm going to forget about it as soon as we stop talking. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think I covered it. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> the only note I took says, is he wearing sunglasses? That's what I... I was like, do they have sunglasses in 1771? Like, they kind of tried to make them look kind of old-timey, but... Yeah, but like, what? Also, then, why is he wearing them inside? Inside! Yeah. It was dark in there. Even it's if like they were tinted weird glass. Rack, like, like, what? Yeah, what? What's happening? Yeah, some, like, affected musician. Just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, right. I... This is the other thing that kind of gets me sometimes. So this whole thing about, like, Buffy being the Slayer, she's supposed to have these special powers and her ability to, like, track a vampire and, like, fight them. And everyone else is supposed to really struggle with this, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm i assuming that these cardinals were using magic or something because I don't know how Angel, was like, couldn't escape them. Yeah. I guess they kind of pinned him into a trap, but I also was just like, I don't understand these t- these times where Angel gets trapped and yeah. by, like, normal humans. Okay. So, I agree. Just one mm. more nitpick that I had where mm. it's like none of this. I think that's the part of, like, I just felt like it shouldn't have even been happening. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Buffy. <laughs> let's talk about Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> um... <clears throat> Okay. What's the name of the episode, Jenny? Once more, feeling. I read it. I'm reading it <laughs> off the screen, so I can't get it wrong. Cheater. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to keep the recap really brief because I think we're going to yeah. end up talking about pretty much every song and every plot line one by one anyway. So I don't want to get 
through it too much, but basically this episode picks up exactly where the last one left off, which is Willow and Tara had a fight and Willow has cast a spell on Tara. So like literally one of the first scenes is Tara picking up um, the flower that Willow used to augment her spell and then going about her day. But quickly it becomes apparent that this is not a normal episode of Buffy and that it is in fact a musical because Buffy starts singing a little I wish song right out the gate while she's fighting demons. There's lots of choreography um, and of course so that happens at night while she's patrolling the next day, she brings it up with everybody and they all agree. Oh yes, this is a weird thing. And it's been happening to all of us. They quickly conclude that it's not just happening to the Scoobies. It's happening to all of Sunnydale at least. Um, so they don't think it's a type of spell or anything. And as they all individually sing songs or have interludes where they reveal things that they normally wouldn't to one another, um, Buffy, I mean, Yeah. This all goes on. The climax is, is essentially that Buffy reveals that she they took her out of heaven and not hell. So they all finally learn this and they are able to sort of defeat the demon <laughs> by a technicality and he goes away. <laughs> so I think that's kind of the, the very, very big picture scope of this episode. It's also the first time that Buffy and Spike kiss at the very end of the episode. So. But I think it merit really any more detail than that is like, then we need to just be talking about each song and each plot line. Yeah. I guess I just want to say it out the gate that last episode, I made some, I think, pretty bold statements about how good this episode was. And I 100% stand by them. It was as good, if not better than I remembered. I think I genuinely think this is one of the best episodes of television that's ever been made. And like, this is one that's written and produced and directed by, I don't know what produced. I don't know why I said that written and directed by Joss Whedon. So it's like, I do feel like sometimes, you know, especially everyone, it's nice to be reminded of why people really love his work. It's kind of one of the things that I want to say. I think this is a stunning example of the things that you can do in a pretty short span of an episode of television. And I definitely think it would stand okay on its own, but it's so much better as an actual piece of this show you know, in the, in the middle of this series or in the middle of the season, at least. Which I think is important to point out because I think, so as good as this episode is, it, unfortunately it's sort of the musical episode that spawned all musical episodes on TV yes. <laughs> and started a trend that was not continued by people of the same caliber skill mm-hmm. set. And I think we might've reached the bottom with like I think One Tree Hill had a musical episode. Oh, like, God. just <laughs> I was like, I'm wondering what you're what you're referring to because I'm not sure I've seen very many other ones. Um, I'm not sure if that's true, but I think that they did. Or like, definitely there were a, a bunch of shows that were like, I know we're just going to do our musical episode, and it's just yeah, they have nothing to do with the plot. They have nothing to do with the characters, and it's just a gimmicky episode. And I yeah. think the reason this one is so good and why it doesn't yeah. fall into the trap that it's like you know, imitators have, have, is that it actually serves a purpose in the story. And, you know, they have the luxury of living in a world where you can conveniently say, like, oh, a demon came to town and, like, made us all sing. But I think the way they use the songs to drive the emotional narrative forward and to call back to previous plots, and to your point, like, the only way to ding this episode is to say that you have to have prior knowledge to watch it, but I actually think that I, that's a strength because I think I agree, yeah. it makes it better because how else are they... Like, we've seen them try to have some of these conversations and everybody <laughs> just kind of gives up and can't talk. And so, like, singing is the way that you just say what you can't say when you want to talk, and so it's perfect in that regard. But also, like, yeah. to use the tropes of a musical to yes. also do that 
It's, yes. Yeah. It's so it's, clever. Like, it's I'm going to sound like a gushy fangirl. It's no, just but incredible. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good, Allie. Literally every word of every song, I was like, I've listened to these a million times. Like, I made a very wise decision to buy this soundtrack a few years ago, and it has not been a waste of my money. I listen <laughs> to it with some regularity. Like, I know these lines really well. Watching it on screen in the episode is still the most satisfying way to relive it. You know, it's like, it is like getting to go see your favorite Broadway musical on at home whenever you want like it's so this is gonna I guess sound I'm gonna I so hope this much isn't hyperbolic but I actually no. had a lot of like watching this episode after having seen Hamilton okay like yeah this is what they're both doing really well it's like yeah. using the tropes of musical theater to, to make tell an, a familiar yeah. story yes but <laughs> and that's might be what all musicals do but I don't know just the heightening of like history and I like emotions through this it's it's like yeah like, I don't want to say like Buffy's as good as Hamilton or like right. that you know Hamilton I just mean like I think but I no, I, I had a lot of similar feelings while and I, I was watching this and I think what you're this. pointing to is it's it's not I don't think every I mean admittedly my knowledge of musicals is pretty limited uh but I do think that what you're pointing to specifically is that they're both self-aware of being musicals. Yes. And that is a being self-aware in all media is a thing that can go very wrong. You know, when you do it badly, it makes it very bad instead of just like, Oh, boring, you know? And I think, yeah. So all I'm saying is that I think you're right to point to some commonality between them. And I think that's what it is, is that they both yeah. know that there are musicals using those tropes. And I do think other musicals do that too, but I don't think all musicals do that. Certainly, you know? No. I mean, it, that might be more of a modern musical mentality. Sure, of like but I to, still... Yeah. But I, I do think that they do, like, I, I, I think it is exactly that. Like, they're using these tools as tools to further a story and exactly. not just in like a, you know... Andrew Lloyd Webber way where he's like I can just write a you know great song and sure. like the story is like nothing but yeah. Yeah, yeah. but the music is telling the story I mean I think that's what blew my mind so much the first time I listened to Hamilton was that there is almost no book like it's yeah. just you know they're singing every word of this or rapping yeah. as it were yeah. and that's the entire musical and Buffy is very similar where there's, there's not a lot of other there there is dialogue but mm-hmm. you almost don't need it like right. The story gets told through the songs. Well, I mean, yeah, and yeah, it's not just that you don't need it, but you're right that nothing, nothing happens in the dialogue of this episode. The dialogue is literally plot moving to get people from like one room in the house to a different room. Like that's what the dialogue is being used for. This all of the plot takes place in the story. I mean, sorry, in the songs. So yeah. yes, again, I think you're right. Yes, the the dialogue is not completely incidental, but it's really not where anything is happening. Um, there's no memorable, well, that's not true. There's, there are a few memorable lines of dialogue, but we can get there. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I know Uh, what you're going to (laughs) say. Okay. Well then I'll just say it now. Uh, I am certain that I've said this before. I'm also pretty sure that it's on our website. It's also on a Christmas ornament that I bought for myself (laughs) last year. Uh, my favorite all time favorite line in all of Buffy is when Anya says to Don, Oh my God, did it sing? (laughs) I mean, that whole exchange makes me laugh every time I watch it because Don, uh, you know, Don finally arrives in the middle of the Scoobies. I've obviously already realized what's going on. And she's like, you guys are never going to believe what's happened. And like, poor Don, because to be fair, that's pretty big news. Uh, oh my God. My whole school broke out in song and dance is like a thing you would expect a reaction about. Instead of getting a reaction, everyone's like, yeah, 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 we know. And so Don, you know, she's like, oh, I gave birth to a pterodactyl trying to come up with something that they would at all care about. But Anya's the only one who reacts. God, it's just so funny. Oh my God, did it sing? <laughs> Anya's great on the whole in this episode, as is everyone, of course, but 
Um, yeah. Okay, I guess I have one other overarching thing that I want to say before I think we really should get into each song. Um, I really think the other... Hmm, I don't know the right way to say this, but I'm really glad that this episode happened before autotune was really, really popular because I am certain that somebody would have ended up retouching their performances. And it's not that I enjoy some of the notes that are saying off key exactly, but like there really is something about this. That's like all of these actors have committed so hard to this. I really, really appreciated it. And it's like, it is charming to see like Tara's not very good at dancing. Buffy's, pretty mediocre at singing and she has she's the star of the show she has to sing most of the songs like or rather sarah michelle geller but like i just really think that it brings something to this episode that would have been lost had they kind of photoshopped it out you know i'm really glad that they didn't do that no or i think that it actually it, i don't know if it wasn't an episode. option but yeah like they this is what would happen if a demon came to your town exactly, and you had to suddenly perform a musical you, you and i would not be star singers all overnight yeah, like yeah. we would be pretty bad at it but we would still have to do it because that's the rules right so exactly i think that that makes it even better yeah and i like watching for some of these little like in the song and dance that anya and xander do like xander is not a good dancer and it's particularly noticeable because anya's pretty good at it <laughs> and i'm like oh well but he's really trying and i'm like i don't know it just really makes me feel like everybody made this with like a lot of heart and like a lot of love and like that is a very cheesy weird observation to make but it just makes it feel even more special that like everybody really tried so hard to make this a good episode and it worked (laughs) yeah and all the jokes I mean just like Anya trying to determine like the status of her song relative to the other songs (laughs) and like it's just everything like just yeah yeah all the little gimmicks like gags and I mean I think my favorite song is They Got the Mustard Out. Yeah, I was going to ask what your favorite song was, actually. Um, It's not really my favorite song, but it is my favorite moment of the episode when they're trying to figure out, like, if everyone else is being affected by this. And, like, just the little jokes about that, like, that someone's singing about their dry cleaning because, of course, you're joyous when they get a stain out of your shirt. And then um, the woman pleading with the cop. And also Giles' little aside that the cops were taking witness arias. I know. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> uh, also, side note, I only know this because I, well, I saw their names in the credits, actually, but uh, Mustard Guy is David Fury and Parking Ticket Woman is Marty Noxon. So those are oh, really? show writers, producers. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I think I forgot about both of those, but... I saw their names flash in the credits. I was only watching the credits because I wanted to make Alex see the part at the end where the little monster, uh, monster sings it. (laughs) (laughs) So lots of little touches to this. Okay, wait, but real question though. What is your favorite song in the, in the episode? (sighs) Okay. What's my favorite song? tough. I mean, Mm. it's so hard to choose because I really love the I Wish song and I really love Spike's song a lot. Um, But I think I like the one where they're all, um, going to the bronze like the, yeah uh, i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna give myself away here i don't know the name of the song yeah but the no, fire to, song yeah walk through the fire yeah that's what i thought it was but i was like eh. yeah um because i just think that's like the <clears throat> ultimate like big musical number you know like yeah it's a showstopper it is oh man the demon song and is i so think because too. it like builds in elements of a bunch of different ones too but yeah they're just sort of reprising some of the yeah themes and lyrics from the previous songs yeah. that's true but also i think it ties in like because i really like again <laughs> we've already talked about this so much but like the way that the songs are showing you the state of mind of the character and yeah. there's something about 
the song that really gets across the point that like Buffy is resigned to like have to do this, but that she also really wants to want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. It's just uplifting. I think. I think you're right. Um, It's also a pretty song, I think. So what's your favorite song? I think I have to agree with you. On a personal note, my favorite song is the um, Xander and Anya one, but that's only because, um, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but one time we went to, I went to a karaoke bar with my coworkers and one of my really good friends, and we realized that they had all the Buffy songs there, and so we were like, great, that's what we're singing, and we did a little duet, and it was great. And I honestly, a lot of karaoke bars use the same, like, one or two songbooks, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, yeah. they're not individually curating the list, it's like a service that they must license or buy or whatever. And so I'm always like, well, there must be odds are that another bar in New York has the same set list, but I have never been to another one that has it. And we talk about it every once in a while. We're like, man, we got to go back there and do our, do our duet again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did Anya and she did Xander. It was great. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I think walk through the fire is the best song. I really like going through the motions though, too. And I certainly listened to that once or twice in my, um, you know, late twenties being confused about what I'm doing in the world and relating yeah, a little I, bit too hard I did to have it. A bit- I did have a bit too much relating to that song last night. Let me tell you. I was like, oh boy. Yeah. But also like, I just going back to the other one, like I just love that moment where she's like, I mean, we'll get there, but like, she's just like, she wants the fire back. Yeah. It's such a good line. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Let's talk about the first song. Okay. Let's talk about going through the motions. Uh, Which I think has the funniest visual accompaniments. It really does. I mean, and we both just have casually called it the I Wish song. I don't know some, I think Pop Culture Happy Hour is the one that introduced me to this term, but like that is. I thought I learned about it on This American Life, but oh, maybe. maybe I'm getting oh, confused. Oh, I think you, maybe you're right too. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, it is like a pretty traditional thing in musicals that the opening or one of the opening songs is when one of the characters loudly declares what they're after. <laughs> Um, and this totally fits that bill, but in a, again, in a way that is like, it's self-aware, but it's also totally great. It completely, it's so good to have Buffy have an outlet where she can explain all the things that she's been feeling. I mean, she's been so taciturn in the last six episodes that like, she kind of needs to let it out a little bit. And she sings it with a kind of deadpan look in her eyes and like the lyrics are a little bit deadpan, but ah, oh, man. I, you're right that this one has the best visual accompaniment because it is it is a great opening number. She's singing about going through the motions as she slays a like pretty unusually high number of demons and vampires in the graveyard, saves a like handsome prince who's tied to a tree. Cat does it all very casually, but meanwhile the demons are like doing little dance numbers behind the gravestones. Like, what could be funnier than that? Like nothing. Well, nothing I think it's really that. funny, but I also what I noticed right off the bat, and this was the moment where I was like, oh crap, I have to take notes. Yeah. Was <laughs> Like, right off the bat, the demons are demonstrating the perils of this spell. Right. Yes. Yes. It's funny. Yeah. But the demons are literally standing around singing yeah, while Buffy yeah. is they're killing not even them. Trying to get away. Because they're, like, because they they're have to get, get their, their, number like, out. Yeah. You know, their spell. <laughs> That's yeah. a great point. And I just think it's, that adds to, like, the hilarity, but also it's, like, right off, like, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is dangerous. Because she, like, runs a sword through that demon and yeah. he doesn't even notice. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, I also think it is so clever that she sings the final line as she's dusted a vampire. I mean, it's not clever. It's just, like, iconic. You know, she slays the vampire and they cut to the swelling music as the, like, dust flies around her. (laughs) It's so funny, (laughs) but it's also, like, oddly beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You know she got some of that vampire in her mouth. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, 
Ugh. But I love that, like, the demons are commenting on, like, you're not oh, yeah, really into you're, this. like, really <laughs> out of it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I love that song. I love that song. I think that's my favorite one to watch instead of just listen to. Yeah. Gets the most play. Oh, my God. Jenny, and I'm, am I going to have to go watch Probably. this, like, right after this? <laughs> uh, did I get choked up several times during this episode? Yes. It should surprise nobody since I pretty much talk every week on this about how I cry in this or every other show that I watch. But, <laughs> oh, man, it's just so good. I was so happy. I was eating a bagel, watching Once More Feeling, <laughs> petting my cat. Anyway, um, so. You mean petting your poker winnings? <laughs> yes. Water in a great bet. <laughs> um <laughs> So, I mean, then, you know, that the song is followed by everybody at the magic shop the next day. You know, Buffy reveals that, like, hey, I had this incident. Did anything happen to you guys? Again, everybody is, you know, we said that the dialogue wasn't important to the plot, and that's true. But there are so many good jokes in this episode. Kind of never, I'm not sure if I've heard this part well before or not, but, um, you know, there she's like, oh, did anybody sing last night? And Giles's answer is actually, yeah, but with my guitar, because we already know that Giles yeah. like, sings. But then he's just kind of quietly in the background remarking about like, but that does explain the backing orchestra and the and the dancers and the choreography. <laughs> <laughs> like that is such a good little background joke. It's like you can't even hear it because everybody's talking in that scene at over each other. But like, how funny is that? Giles is like, yeah, I sang. I, he just sings at night. <laughs> And also, I love the little insight you get, too. It's kind of like a throwaway, but, like, Anya, you know, she's like, oh, first we were arguing, and mm. then we were singing. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you know, a little bit of a prelude to, like, their actual number. But, um, yeah, the little bits are really yeah. funny. Yeah, I mean, and then, again, comically, they're like, well, we better start investigating this before another song breaks. Ah, and then they're, like, singing. <laughs> you know, it's like they can't even get the words out before they're in another song accidentally. Um, I've got a theory that's pretty, pretty fun. I think it's the... I mean, I don't want to say it's the most boring. All the songs are jams. They're all great. Uh, I've got a theory. I think has the least, like, double meaning behind it. So I think maybe that's why it's kind of like, again, it's like, I don't want to say, there's no song on here that I don't like. It's maybe the least interesting to examine, though. The only thing that I can really think. Plus it has the bunny break. Um, And it does start off with Giles immediately announcing what's gone wrong. You know, he's like, I've got a theory. It's a dancing (laughs) demon. And then they're like, move right past it. And he's like, no, 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 that can't be right. And I'm like, it is a dancing demon child. You nailed it in the first take. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then Buff, we do get Anya's little breakout about bunnies. I kept thinking about Anya in this episode, how she's very much like Oz and maybe a little bit like Cordelia in uh, Earshot, the episode where Buffy can hear everybody's thoughts. And it's like, I guess not like Oz. She's more, it's just that Anya's like, you know, if, if we take this kind of the way it's supposed to be in musicals, you sing the things that you're the most emotional about. And specifically in this episode, people are kind of uncovering things that they would normally not say. Uh, most of the things that Anya says are very superficial, but in a way that I think is really true to her character. It's like, what is Anya really thinking about? She's apparently thinking about bunnies all the time. Yeah, but also I think that kind of speaks to, like, everybody already also knows that Anya's afraid of bunnies, and, like, maybe Anya's kind of an open yeah, book. Yeah, exa- right? that's what I mean. Like, there's no huge secret. I guess yeah. I said Oz, but what I meant was Cordelia, where it's like, she thinks a thing and then immediately says that thing. Like, I think Anya's pretty <laughs> much the same way, where it's like, there's not something going on in there that we're not already aware of. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, should we talk yes. about Willow and Tara? Oh, man. One of the best, one of the uh, best songs. 
Yeah, but also I think one of the best songs for the pure juxtaposition yeah. to like where they were and where they end up is like yeah because this is like a you know the love it song is. and you know like the ballad but it's all because willow's done this magic yes. on tara and like she's wearing yes. the flower throughout the episode and and she found it and didn't know what it was but also like you see how well it worked because then just an episode ago they had this huge fight about willow doing magic and then here they're both like frivolously using magic to create yeah. these like shiny sparkles and like tara's just like yeah whatever you yeah. know it's just like this is why willow used magic because it's the easy way to resolve yeah. this and they're in a happy place and all that, but it's, it, it's undercut the entire time by the fact that she's yeah, wearing that totally. flower. I mean, and then of course this is, I think the most, well, I don't, I don't know that that's fair to say, but this is the, the really obvious kind of double meaning in laced throughout the entire song. The song's called under your spell. She's talking about being under Willow's spell. She obviously yes. means it. It, in the moment, she means it as a metaphor because that's a very common thing to say about being in love with someone that it feels like you're under a spell, but she is literally under a spell. <laughs> she also, I mean, again, part of these lines are in there and they get highlighted again in kind of her reprise. But um, <clears throat> what did she say? She says, you made me believe, you know, and like, again, in the moment, she's saying like, you made me believe that I am special and that people would notice me and that I'm worth loving. But really you know, it ends up meaning you made me believe we didn't have a fight and you mess with my memories. So it's really heartbreaking. Well, yeah. And I love in her reprise where she, like what she was singing about previously was like this joyous, like this joyous, I'm under your spell. And then it's like, she's singing it with horror the second time because she realized she isn't her spell. But I also love that in her song, she calls out like, you know, I've gone through hell. Like, you know that I've had my mind taken from me and yet you've still done this. And it's really powerful. Um, that all this, this double meaning aside, this is also the dirtiest song. The song is so dirty. Every time yeah. I almost blush every time I listen to it. I can't sing the part at the end where she says, "You make me complete," because it's just so dirty. Yeah, <laughs> but in a really yeah. great way. Is um well, that's a weird way to put it. I just mean to say, while this is a very complicated moment for them in their relationship, it's a great moment of television where you know they just get to be two women on screen kissing and in love with one another. So, kind of unfortunate that it's a very complicated time in their relationship when everything is falling apart but still a really romantic really powerful scene hey it's equal opportunity Mm -hmm. okay women can have abusive mind control relationships too (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't think that's what they were really trying to point out but it it is it is true that there's just a casualness about it that's nice um i do i do want to know how you feel about uh tara's ren fair outfit though (laughs) Okay, I literally wrote down why are Willow and Tara dressed like they went to the Ren Fair? And Tara's, Tara's is, is the worse, worst. but Willow's mind. like suffers in comparison I don't because mind Willow's. Willow's yeah. would be fine except Tara's now wearing this like other thing next it. to her, so it looks like it they does. tried to coordinate. And Willow looks really good in this episode. I actually really like all the things she's wearing. She's a very dressy Willow, but I think it kind of works because yeah. they're you know sort of on stage in this whole episode. But yeah, Tara, they I wish she didn't dress her in that. It really takes me out of the scene every time for like a moment. If if going through the motions is the best one to watch while you're also listening to it, I think this is the best one to not watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because her choice of outfit really, for me, kind of sells this like Disney princess That's love true. song That's kind true. of thing. Even though it's not Disney, right. <laughs> like it's it's d- too dirty too for dirty. Disney. <laughs> they end up yep climaxing in the bed. 
Yeah. And in the crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think it fits with the, you know, the, the bird, they're like in the park in the sunshine, there's like yeah. sparkles and like, you know, you're waiting for a bird to like land on yeah, Tara's that's shoulder. That's true. That's a good point. She's dressed to me like she looks like Sleeping mm-hmm. Beauty, I think. I don't know if that was intentional because I always question her choice in outfit. I that's just, think they were going for glamorous yeah. witch, but I think they ended up in Ren Fair Disney Princess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, and as much as I said, I, I mean, I love how Sarah Michelle Gellar performs in this episode. I love that she went at it with gusto. Uh, she's not the best singer. And I do think that the songs, it's hard not to get a little bit more drawn into the songs that are done by the better perform the better song performers. And I think Allison, um, I'm sorry, not Allison. Uh, what's her name? Tara. Amber Benson, Amber is, Benson is one of them. I mean, she's not great, but she's, she's pretty good. I think it, and I'm, I'm glad that she gets to, to do this. I mean, this shouldn't be it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hers, is pretty much the only one that's like truly sung, whereas like everyone else is kind of like in a low register. Yeah. Or um, Anya and Xander, it's basically like spoken yeah. word. <laughs> like, you know, it, yeah. I think they definitely wrote to to their strengths, and and I think that's also why Willow barely sings. Well, that's because, definitely why. Yeah, um, yeah. Allison Hannigan begged. Yeah, to not exactly. Have to, <laughs> well, so. she and she gets like three lines, mostly in group, yeah. big group number, definitely in big group numbers. So. I do love her line in um, Walk Through the Fire, where she's like, this line's yeah, mostly stellar. Yeah, that is great. That's a great <laughs> So I guess I do want to take a moment, too. I think it must be between, according to my notes, this happens between this song and the next one. But we, again, kind of like what you were saying, it is, in retrospect, obvious that this is dangerous, even though it seems silly. Um, but before, like, one of the act breaks, we get the real danger presented to us on screen, which is like, okay, we see that there's a demon who's come to town and that not only are people going to reveal things that they don't want to, which is emotionally dangerous. They are going, perhaps going to end up dancing so fast that they literally like combust with the heat of it. So, um, my real reason I'm even bringing this up is because (laughs) is the one thing that I guess I never really bothered to think about is that like, we don't ever find out who any of the victims are, which I guess is sort of standard in Buffy, but it was just a little bit weird that I'm like, Oh, sometimes there's like a clue in there about like why this is happening. I guess they just gloss over that. Who, who was that guy? Why was he singing? Why was he in the bronze with the demon? It doesn't matter. I know it doesn't matter. This is just the first time that even occurred to me to ask who he was. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, he is a bit of a nameless victim who we see tap dance to death, and that's it. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, moving on. Uh, So the next song is the Anya and Xander one, yes? Yes. I'll never tell. And I just want to say that I love that this comes almost right after Mm -hmm. Willow and Tara's song because I think it's a really interesting contrast of this smoothed over magic version of a relationship that's working. And then this like realistic, messy, like hard work relationship where two people are like not even sure that they should be doing this, but that they can't not. So they're like doing the work. I don't know. I just think it's really everything about Xander and Anya's song and their song and dance in their apartment is like really realistic, I think like, or like, not realistic because, like, they're wearing, like, musical versions of, like, pajamas <laughs> and, you know, whatever. But, like, the cheese in yeah. the fridge and, like, you know, they're talking about what they don't like about each other and all that. And I don't know. It's really interesting coming right on the heels of Under Your uh, Spell. Yeah, that's Tara's a good song. point. Yeah. Yeah. I guess all the love songs are kind of butted up next to each other. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do... 
It's true. There's yeah. like three in a row. Based on his recipes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I don't have too much more to say about Anya and Xander's song. I do love it. I think it's charming and adorable. I love the like, yeah, that we do get to kind of try out several musical styles kind of throughout the episode. They're not all the same one, even though, but they work really well together. I think again because like it's just such a clever conceit that the way that this is happening to people, they don't all need to match one style for the whole musical to work because the kind of point is that it's everybody's individual songs coming out. So I think that that's another thing that I, we didn't talk about, but like how, how much ground they're covering like stylistically, but it's super fun to get to do all these different types of numbers instead of kind of being stuck in the, in the Andrew Lloyd Webber or in a whatever, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And you know, as you're saying this, I can't believe it took me this long to bring mm-hmm. this up, but there is a television show that does this on a regular yeah. basis and it's really good but it's what is it what show are we talking about i think crazy rich crazy oh ex-girlfriend. okay yeah yeah i thought you were talking about glee and i was like yeah, yeah. what <laughs> oh god no that glee is like glee is pretty much we don't need to talk <laughs> a show that wants to be doing it's this not. but failed on every level and that's yeah, all i'm gonna fine. say okay. but yeah, yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. ex-girlfriend is a show that is using these musical trope type numbers to like further the emotional arcs of their characters and like say things and they're, but they're the reason I just thought of it is because you were talking about this ability to play with musical Mm -hmm. styles and that's something that they do. And, and it works like, I think there's something where in one ways it works a lot differently because it's a whole show built around this conceit instead of just an episode. Um, but I do think it owes a bit of a debt to this. Yeah. This. Yeah. Whether they, the creators of that show would agree, I don't know, but it reminds yeah. me a lot of this episode. Hmm. But yeah, so I, I don't have too much more to say about Anya and Xander other than like it is now, I know we've, we've also already talked about this and made this observation specifically because of Xander's behavior, but like they really are, they are way too not mature to be getting married. It's not even just that they're young. It's just that like you guys have so much growing <laughs> learning to do not just about each other but like about how to be in the world you have no business getting married this is such a bad idea well and they also both seem to have very serious yeah. doubts about this relationship that they can't like, talk about you know like they, it takes this yeah. musical demon to make them have these conversations but like unlike whereas like Buffy has some I think good reasons to have withhold withheld information like probably the number one thing you need to do to have a successful relationship is like learn how to communicate effectively with one another like they're clearly not even yeah, trying to the, do that the fact that their refrain is I'll never yeah. tell and it's like well but you're in a relationship you really probably should and like some of the things <laughs> are certainly more less substance less important you know like no Xander shouldn't tell Anya that her toes are hairy like that is a that's a fine thing to hold back you know what I mean like it's not like I'm saying they should have been saying all these things to each other but like really just the idea that they are having such serious doubts that marriage is even going to work and that that's not something that they can talk about together I think yeah certainly spells trouble (laughs) uh yeah that's not a very like insightful observation but but yeah I mean moving on to rest in peace I think once again I was just young and in love with Spike all the previous times I've watched the show, and I still am, but he really nails Buffy, like, out the gate in his song about, or not even in his song, but just, like, why she's even there and why she's talking to him. And even though I, like, I do like that they get to have this, like, kind of movie star screen kiss at the end of this episode, I mean, their relationship is just, is also doomed from the start. Like, 
he immediately calls her out. I'm like, you're only here because, oh yeah, it isn't his song. When he says like a whisper in a dead man's ear doesn't make it real. Like she's literally just using him as a void. <laughs> you know, he's nothing to her. And the fact that she keeps going back is, and kind of toying with him. It's so toxic. It's so bad. <laughs> well, and I love that you called out that lyric because I want to point out the lyric that I wrote down at the end from the coda mm. where Buffy oh, yeah. says, this you isn't know. real. I just oh, want to feel. I know. Like, she knows it too. <laughs> and echoes it right back to him. Yeah. yeah. No, I had that thought too. Doom from the start. I wrote yeah, that down yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, it's sad because I, I guess I don't want to give up my fandom for Spike and I never will. I, I really, really love Spike. I think the best that they were ever going to do the best that they do in the show depicting their relationship is the end of season five, which we've already talked about a billion times. Um, but I will admit that I still am really won over by Spike's devotion to her a little bit. I mean, obviously he should like let it go if she's not interested in him. And I know that that's true in the real world, but in my fandom and in my show, I, I think that he, again, does really prove over and over again that he is committed to her and that he wants good things for her. You know, like even this episode, it's like he's trying so hard to stay away from her, but he can't let her risk her life and not even try to help. You know, like everybody else is kind of just it's just nothing that we haven't already talked about in the several last ep- in the last several episodes. I just their relationship is very bad. I it's, I don't really think Spike is the problem. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. No, is I like, don't think at he this is. Point, at I least think he's, he's not the issue. No, he's fully aware that his feelings are feelings and that he's trying to do his best to make it not a problem yeah. for everyone. <clears throat> and then Buffy takes what he says to her and decides that she can use it to her advantage well, and try to feel yeah. by like, okay, you know, but but for her, I think it's, it's less like, manipulative. on the one hand, she can use him to try to right. feel something again, but she also knows like in her mind, it's risk-free because it doesn't right. matter right. because it's not real because it's I, I think like, some of it is happening subconsciously for her. I don't think it's so blatant that she's doing it on purpose. I think some of... Well, I, I think, think so, because at the end, that's like her actual yeah, line Yeah, but that's to him. also... It's still in the musical where you're saying things that you aren't always... Sometimes, I think in the songs, they also reveal things that they didn't think, think about or know before. No, but I mean, like, by the end, she knows that this yeah, is true. Yeah, I guess that's like, true. She said it out I loud. I guess I'm saying, yeah. I think it's a little bit like... I think you and I have both done this. Not the same thing at all, but... Sometimes you do, like, force yourself to go out on dates or force yourself to go out with people because you think, like, maybe the re- maybe if I just try a little harder, it'll work. So it's not always that you're trying yeah. to leave someone on exactly, but, like, I guess I'm taking it a little bit more that way. I think when she says that, she also sort of means, like, maybe if I try this, it will work. But you're right that I think she's also doing it because it's risk-free. But I think that there is a yeah, little bit more... Yeah, and Spikes more, will take whatever yeah. he can get. And he so. knows that, too. I mean, he also says that. <laughs> what a rocking number, though, right? Rest in Peace is great. Again, Spike is one of the better okay. singers, and he just looks like Billy Idol. I literally, anytime I see the word Will's words Billy Idol or somebody says Billy Idol or I hear a Billy Idol song, I just picture Spike. They're the same person to me now, and, <laughs> and I'm, like, fine with it. I'm like, I, Billy Idol may as well not exist. James Marshers as Spike is in um, that Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler movie, In the Wedding Singer, On the Plane. Yeah. That is Spike. It's Spike. They're all Spike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Billy Idol did steal exactly. his look, so. <laughs> um, but no, I love, like, okay, so Spike number, Spike's number is just it a is. banger. But also, like, I love the way it points out how everybody's getting a little tired yes. of this. Like, everyone's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm singing and annoyed by it, but, like, whatever, I'll just go <laughs> with it. Like, the look on roll. his face when he, <laughs> yeah. But also, like, 
the and the whole choreography and like his whole like music video yes. basically in the cemetery is hilarious. Like, first of all, who's having a funeral well, at night? I, no, I'd exactly. like to know. But people but. are doing it because of the spell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had to. No, but and I think his does reveal a lot about his feelings about how Buffy's treating him because, like, she knows he has feelings, but she's also using him for comfort because she can't talk to her friends. And I think he's willing to let that happen, but he's also not willing to let her ignore the fact that that's like what's happening. Kind of a crappy way yeah. to treat him. Yeah. He's like willing to call her out on it though. He can't stop himself from participating. I like also love that the right. final line is he's like, Oh, so you're going <laughs> or oh, you're not going to stay. <laughs> he just sang this song. Yeah. Literally all the lyrics are about telling her to leave if she's not interested. And then she leaves. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, great gag. Yeah, you're right. I love that you called his a music video, though, because it's so true. You know, that, like, Anya and Xander are performing, like, a Broadway number. <laughs> and yeah. then Spike gets to have, like, his great MTV, like, 90s-style music video. It's a good video. I like it. Yeah. And I love, I mean, yeah. uh, again, this is, like, obvious to say this, but I love that his is all about, like, his is the one set in a graveyard. He gets to say, rest in peace, obviously, is about being dead, and he makes several plays on the fact that he's sort of technically undead. <laughs> I love it. Are you saying it's clever yes, writing? I, am. <laughs> I guess it's like, it's so obvious to, for me to say it, but to have written it is still impressive. Good yeah. job. <sighs> okay. What comes next? Oh, Dawn, Dawn gets kidnapped. We're fine. Yeah. Great. Yawn. Great. Okay. She does a little dance number. I'm glad she doesn't sing too much. Fine. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've, t- I've told you before that's like the weak spot of this episode for me is the whole Dawn It's number. fine. I don't. Yeah, I guess I have to agree with you. I don't not like it, but it, yeah, you're right to say yawn. Who cares? There's <laughs> nothing to say about it. It's, a, it's an <laughs> adequate dance number. The end. Um, oh, yeah. and then the demon gets to sing. We do see that her shoplifting habit has progressed True. quite a bit. And while that is to blame technically for her getting kidnapped, at least for one, she really wasn't doing anything wrong in, in the moment. You know what I mean? When she gets kidnapped from her bedroom, it's like she literally is fine, just trying to not cause any trouble in the moment, like still kind of goes badly. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dawn kind of can't catch a break, although she shouldn't have stolen the necklace. I think a, another strength, and again, it's obvious that they would do this, but I still think it's worth pointing out is that the guy that they've hired to play the demon is obviously a very talented performer. He can actually hold a tune. He can actually tap dance. And I love watching him. Like, I think that's also such a satisfying, yeah, just a satisfying thing about this episode is it's like, I love getting to see the characters that I know and love do their best <laughs> to dance and sing. I also really like watching somebody who's good at it. <laughs> You know, he gets to do a lot more interesting singing. Like you were saying, Tara is kind of the only one with a real song. I, we forgot about him. You know, he gets a real song with many vocal ranges and ticks. I don't really know how to talk. Yeah. I don't really know and how to talk about And he gets to music, do like a, like a yeah, soft shoe tap soft dance shoe. through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, his and song also is great. his song I, is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make you feel like, and that's literally what he's come there to do. Um, I mean, it's creepy that he's singing to Dawn, but... Whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's a demon. He's a bad guy, ultimately. But I love this conceit of his power where he's, like, getting off on people betraying their secrets. I know. That's so funny. (laughs) He is pretty benign for a demon. (laughs) He is bad and people are dying, but he does... You're right that he's, like, just as satisfied that everyone spilled their guts to each other. (laughs) He's like, fine, good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I love his song, though. I love him talking about Nero you know, giving him his fiddle. He's just making a lot of cool classical references. 
<laughs> and I love his little tap dance. It's a, it's a satisfying introduction that like Don is flung on the floor. And then, so we, the first thing we see is his cool tap shoes and then he just like kind of, you know, he, he tiptoe tap dances down the stairs into his beautiful Broadway number. Mm. Love yeah. Him. I love him. I want to be clear that when I was talking about Don being like her part being yawn, it was not this part. Oh. No, no. Oh, I know. Yeah. 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 No, just her little dance yeah. fight with the henchman. Of course, we skipped, kind of skipped over this, although we've already sort of talked about Tara's reprise, that while Tara is supposed to be watching Dawn, the reason that she leaves is because she realizes Dawn is the one that tells her, like, oh, I'm glad you and Willow made up. And since um, Tara has no recollection of what she's talking about, that's why she decides to go back to the magic shop and kind of investigate the flower that she's been carrying around all day. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Um, What do you think about Giles' song? Uh, I, okay, it's kind of unfortunate because I do think that Giles is, like, one of the few cast members here who can actually <clears throat> perform and Agreed. sing, but his song is not my favorite, like, stylistically, but I do I think see. that it's my favorite or among my favorites in that, because you know how I feel about Giles and his, yeah. he, how he doesn't need to take responsibility for all of this, mm-hmm. and I love that he's saying that, that he's saying this yeah. is not his job to play father to Buffy and Don. And, like, recognizing that he's taken it a little too far and that she's willing to just let that happen. And, like, he feels like he's contributing to her state of mind by not pushing her into trying to be present. Because, like, he's recognizing that she's kind of checked out, but, like, kind of blaming himself for not giving her anything to be passionate about like which you know or not passionate maybe but like have to have to care about because it's easy like if he takes care of Dawn she doesn't have to care so so we see and we see him try to kind of push her to to do something by herself and send her off you know to fight the demon it's I have um I don't disagree with you for the normal reason I but I do have a different take on it I think which is I don't think that he um shoot what was it that you said you I don't exactly think that he, it's not that he doesn't, I, I guess I don't think that he feels like he's taken the father role too far exactly so much as he's realizing that he can't be both. He can't help guide her as the, in the kind of more traditional watcher way and also do that because, kind of because of the things that you've talked about, because having that emotional attachment to her makes it harder for him to sort of make some of the tougher decisions and tougher calls. But I don't think it's that he doesn't want to, I guess that's the kind of part that I underlyingly disagree with you on. I don't think that he, he's, and then like, that's kind of one of the things that he says is like, he wishes he could be the father role for her. It's just that she needs something else. So it's like, I think he just thinks that he knows better for her, what she needs. And as much as he wants to give her that, what she also needs, there's no one else to then play watcher to her. No, and when I say, like, he doesn't want to, I don't mean, like, he's like, ugh, not my job, like, whatever. I think that he's come to a point in his life where he's recognized that he can't do this and also do things for himself, right? Like... But I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't agree with that. Um, I don't think... He doesn't seem... I mean, I agree that he does want to have his own life. I don't agree that he couldn't have it with Buffy in his life. It's that he can't have it with a slayer in his life, yeah. you know? But, but she's I mean, still the slayer, kind of so that things. you can't separate right, right, those right. things. Yeah, I just don't think that's the motivation behind it. I think ultimately his motivation for leaving is because she's never going to take... She's never going to step up if he's there doing it. I think that's a big part so of I it, but I also think selfishly Giles wants a life. Maybe, but he didn't sing about that at all. He didn't, but he's talked about it before. Mm. 
if it was his true deep feelings, wouldn't it have been revealed in a song? Maybe. <laughs> he his song was short. <laughs> I do like it though, and I will say, yeah, I did get a little bit choked up in his song. I think again, partially because he's just a better performer, but also it did sway me a little bit that like maybe him maybe him leaving or him dialing back somehow is the right choice I do disagree that you should do it immediately in this exact moment yeah. like I do think that's a weird plot twist where he's like nope no one go with her and it's like I, I get you want to take a step back Giles but like I think you could explain to her a little bit more why you're doing this like that is a little bit of a 180 that just like and then they of course immediately backtrack it because like yeah this doesn't make any sense but I suppose he's still under the spell a little bit in a way that is like not making him a little bit not logical yeah like it's fine for you to decide she needs to take a step up but i don't think you should just immediately pull the rug out um i do love their his combined reprise with the tara song though and i love the way they layer the lyrics so that they it just makes sense you know they're both saying the same things and landing somewhere in the middle so that they can sing the same lines and then continuing on with their own kind of observations and stuff i just think that is that's one of my favorite numbers in the whole thing i think that reprise is really good and then they do that cheesy visual where it's like they're floating heads above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a little weird. It takes away from it a little bit for me. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, but I really like that song. Um, okay, there's not much left. Yeah. So, fire. Walk through the fire. Okay. I Why are things fire on fire? Back. Yeah. Why were things on fire in the street? I guess just because there's chaos from all the dancing? I mean, that's just what tends to happen, right? Like in Hush, there were trash <laughs> fires too. <laughs> so. That's true. There's trash fires in the, season, the first episodes of the season. This just seems to be happening a lot. Yeah. I hope Sunnydale has a good budget for replacing their trash bins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Buffy yeah, I mean, like, walks through the fire and she mm-hmm. shows up and yeah. does her little solo number. Okay. Tell me more about it. Anya, Tara, she needs backup. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite moments of the whole episode, to be honest. That is a great moment. Um, No, she shows up, you know, like, hey, Don, you're in trouble. I got to help you. But, like, she almost seems willing to engage with the demon. Like, she's kind of figured out what his goal is. And she's tired of keeping these secrets and just says, okay, yeah, let's get it out. And, you know, she sort of willingly starts this song and dance that she does. And it's almost like... The way Sarah Michelle Gellar performs it, I think, is actually really good, where um, Buffy's really giving it her all, but she also seems, like, kind of relieved. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. I just think it's really nuanced. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, that's also, well, is it part of the same song, or is it something, I guess, something to sing about is maybe its own song? Yeah, I think that's a separate one. Or is, yeah. Or is it? No, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, it's the same. Yeah. No. Something to sing about his own song. That's when she tells them. Yeah. They, she's been ripped out of heaven. Ugh. Yeah. Willow's tears did nothing for me this time. No, I was <laughs> the a first cold, time I've ever seen Alison Hannigan cry and not been sad at all. Cold-hearted <laughs> and unmoved. Let me tell you. <laughs> you Mostly because be I'm just crying. like pissed at Willow. So like, I don't care if you're sad. I like know. you're like busily drugging your girlfriend. Like whatever. Yeah. Um. No, but I I also love that song give me something to sing about like this challenge yeah. of like everyone here is singing their feelings and like that is what Buffy's doing but she's also saying like I don't have anything to sing about because yeah. like yeah. usually when you're singing about something if you're not like ratting on the mob it means that you're like singing about like something good yeah. you know so yeah oh we did skip over that other great gag which is that like the the, the demon sends his henchman to go tell Buffy that he's got her sister 
and like Spike like brings him in there and he's like, all right, sing. And like, there's the swelling music behind him. And there's like, obviously a big assumption that if anybody was going to perform a musical number, it would be one of the musical magical demons. Yeah. <laughs> and he just plays, just, ah, you got your sister and the bronze. <laughs> he just <says> it. <laughs> And runs away. It's he great. sings in the other way. That's what I was talking about. Like he, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> squeals. He's saying her location. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess this is what I was thinking about when I was kind of talking about why I like Spike still is uh, I, I do think that it's telling that he's the, he's the one that steps in and stops her from actually combusting. Like he saves her in this episode. You know, everybody else is there. I don't I know. It's just because they're under the spell and he wasn't in the room. I don't exactly know why. That's uh, I took it, it more as like they're it? all kind of in shock. And so he's the yeah, Spike he's already the knew this react. information. So he jumps yeah. in and saves her. But either way, I mean, I do think that it's telling that he's the one that is there for her. <laughs> I guess that's all kind of what I was saying before is it's like Spike is repeatedly there in the moments when she needs him. And this is no exception. Yeah. So how do you feel about Dawn repeating Buffy's words back to her? Oh, I hate it. I hate that line every time. That's the only thing I don't I hate mind episode. it. I think the delivery is what really undercuts yeah. it. Because yep. I think it would be really moving if she, like, went over and quietly kind of said it to her. Because, like, that was what Buffy said to them, you know, in their little final moments. Or said yeah. to Dawn in their, their final moments. But yeah. the way she kind of just projects it, like, Shakespeare is really just undersells it, I think. And I do, as much as I think, I'm sure Michelle Trachtenberg is a big part of that. I also think that was the direction. You know, I think this is the one time that maybe the trappings of a musical kind of don't work for the episode, where I think they are kind of trying to make it this, like, piece in the show instead of maybe that is the, yeah, I think maybe that is the one line of dialogue that should have just been delivered as dialogue instead of as some piece to the musical. Yeah, I mean, she is basically performing her delivery of it, but it's just, it doesn't work. It just makes it really cheesy. But it, you know, like reminds me of, I'm sure this happens in other musicals, so I apologize that this is my reference, but it reminds me of in um, Moulin Rouge when it's like, that's Toulouse's, you know, he's like got one line that he's supposed to say and he just like ends up shouting it. But like in Moulin Rouge, I think it works a lot better. (laughs) Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it always reminds me of that, but like it, it doesn't bother me or great on me in Moulin Rouge. It bothers me a lot in this episode. But you're you're right. It's a delivery, but it's like everybody's delivery. The way they've staged it, the way they've shot it is bad. Yeah. Okay. And then we have the kiss, mm-hmm. which we kind of talked about. And where do we go from here? Yeah. Where do we go from here? Spike finally comes to his senses yeah. and realizes he's <laughs> on stage performing a choreography dance, and he leaves mid arm ways. He's like, <laughs> "What am I doing? Nope. Bye." Yeah. <laughs> He's moving his jaw a lot in that kiss, though. That also, I, it doesn't bother me so much as puzzle me. <laughs> Am I kissing wrong? <laughs> Something about the way he's doing that. Like, I, don't, I can't figure out what he's doing. <laughs> Maybe it's just because his jaw is so prompt. Like, his jawbone, he's got great, you know, he's got, like, big cheeks and notable jawline like maybe that's why it looks so strange to me but i always i'm like or is it because he's trying to do like a hollywood kiss? i think that's what it is i think they're trying to do that old hollywood kiss and it's like he's really like giving her a kiss you know like you know who um, you know who kisses like that on screen and always cracks me up because it feels like such a holdover from um like the 40s or whatever but colin firth like does that oh interesting and, like next time you watch like Bridget Jones's diary or something like just keep an eye out for it like it cracks me up never every time that, because I'm like okay. he's kissing her like he's like Jimmy Stewart like yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway it's funny but yeah I think that was it like they're trying to do that big sweeping like musical kiss you know well I'll have to pay attention next time they're kissing yeah 
like a. I mean, I've I've told but. you. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar kiss is weird, and I've always thought that. Yeah. So I think yeah. com- combined <laughs> with this, it was a bit much. I was, so I was a little bit like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm like afraid That's to get it. more into this. I feel like I. How long have we done talk now? It's it's the uh, hour fifteen. Oh my god! Well, gonna, we gotta wrap it up. <laughs> Okay, so... Um, Sorry for the very long episode. <laughs> I feel like there's more to say. I think I would just... In, con- in conclusion, I stand by everything that I said at the beginning of this episode and that I said on our last episode. I think this is a stunning piece of television that works particularly well in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show specifically. It can be done. It's done in o- other shows that are okay or sometimes good, but this is the best one. Yeah, I mean... Like I was saying earlier, I think unfortunately it spawned a bit of a subgenre of television of like mm-hmm. the special musical episode, and a lot of shows have not met this bar. Um, yeah, I don't know if any have honestly, but yeah, I mean, well, okay, because I would I would give honorable mention to Crazy Ex Girlfriend just because I think they do occasionally really nail it, um, mm-hmm. but nothing. There's nothing quite like it. I think. It really worked well, well on this show in a way that it feels a little bit more shoehorned in other series. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's also, like, there's an, uh, it's more of a, of a, of a play on Glee than it is musicals, but, like, there's a musical episode of Community. I really like that episode, but it's not, you know, I mean, that, it's just such a different show. <laughs> it's, like, really hard to talk about it at all, I guess, but I just, I like that episode a lot. I like this one more ultimately because of all, the, the real, real crux for me is that it, once more with feeling, is one of the most emotional episodes in the whole run of Buffy. And so, like, the fact that they're able to ring out so many good jokes, so many good musical numbers that have so many meanings for all the characters as they're singing them and later on, I really think it's impressive that it's like, you can't skip this episode. It's when everything happens, you know? Like, if Angel was light on plot and I don't know what happened in that, like, this is the culmination of six seasons of Buffy almost. You know, like, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it's just like, so much happens here. At least a season and a half. I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah, if you go from this to the next episode, you're gonna be a little lost. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the next episode's so good too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. I think this is the height of Buffy and what Buffy the show does well. It's like why not not this episode, but the way that this episode is made and the way that it is performed is like why Buffy is so iconic as a show. You know, mm-hmm. there are other episodes that I really really love. That's, this is a hard one to be. And you know what? You like know? you were saying earlier, I mean, kudos to the cast. This must have been like when they got the uh, news yeah. that they were doing this. I can't imagine it was like met with like much enthusiasm, and yeah, they yeah. really gave it their all. Like. There's a quote in the wiki from Sarah Michelle Gellar being like, well, I did it once and I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do also want to point out, only because somebody actually pointed this out to me like 10 years ago, um, this person I didn't know that well uh, stayed with me and we liked Buffy and that was like the thing we had in common, so we watched it together and they pointed out like, oh, and this in the back when when Tara and Will um sorry Tara and Anya are called as the backup dancers for Buffy Tara totally runs into something kind of like just off screen cracks me up every time but I see that listed in the wiki that apparently Amber Benson has like mentioned that she that she ran into something I'm like that's the one piece of trivia that I got in a word of mouth fashion and not from the internet <laughs> somebody pointed that out to me good times good episode yeah 
And like you said, I mean, it takes us into another stellar episode. I mean, the one-two punch of this and Tabula Rasa, yeah. I think, are mm-hmm. two of my favorites in the entire run of Buffy. I agree. I mean, I think the next episode is one of the more hilarious episodes. It is. And I can't wait. Um, yeah. And I, and I think it is a good reason to, or a good explanation about, like, why I still really like season six, I guess. This is like the highs are so good. Yeah. Right? It's just like even if the even if they just aired like static for the rest of the season, like the aver- the way like if you averaged out how good the season is, like it's still gonna be a pretty good season. So Probably uh, still better I mean, than I season one more, at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean I know it's more complicated than that, and that's not really how we you know, I, I know well obviously you and I are gonna have many more conversations throughout the rest of the season, but like it is just yeah. It's a good season. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Do you want to sing? Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> on, the, on the podcast? Yeah. No, in my life, Sing yes. your favorite song right now. Go. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I guess I will, uh, as I'm just skimming on the, the internet as we're recording this, I will say it's fitting that this is our longest, one of our longest episodes, because it's also the longest episode of Buffy. <laughs> Apparently the episode is 50 minutes long and they let them go over the normal mark. Well, they probably played it for them, and they were like, you're right, you can't cut anything. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, shortened the credits, and it still went over, but it's nice that the network let them do that. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. It's still jarring to me every time, though, that Amber Benson isn't in the credits. Like, yeah. I guess I always thought at one point she was, but she's not. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe that was her choice. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. okay, well. We should wrap it up. Yeah, that was once more with <laughs> feeling. I... Had to think about that. Yeah. And next time we've got, like we said, tabula rasa, or t- is it tabula rasa? I don't I know what's tab- Latin. I'm tabula, not going to be good tabula, at that. Tabula rasa. And quickening. Okay. Well, I'm we excited about it. can probably imagine it's something yep. else to do with Darla and a baby, so. Yep, and yeah. holes. Okay. And then um, should we skip pop culture? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we should. <laughs> um yeah, I don't really have too much more to say about it, except I did watch A Simple Favor on the plane, and it's bananas. Oh, I watched that. I yeah. kind of liked it, though. I liked it, but I was, was like, a, they was marketed fun, was... this, like, incredibly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, that. Yeah, I started okay. watching The O.C. That's my note. Oh, really? It's <laughs> not a recommendation. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> never? Nope. We can talk about oh, it more wow. next week. Yep, I've seen, like, okay. two episodes in the back of a dorm, like, when someone was watching in my dorm room. That's all I've seen. Okay. Um, all right. So what team are you on this week? Oh, man. You know, I know, you know, team, whose team, team I'm on? Team Spike. I'm on Team, team Sing and Dance Demon. That's what I almost said. <laughs> I almost said that. Way to bring, you really brought joy into the lives of millions, Demon. Thank you for doing this. You did, Thank you and for your he did, and he got them to all, like, you know, communicate and talk. It's true. I, it's true. You know, he's sort of their therapist. <laughs> yes. Like, there are some really dark undertones to it, but they really needed him. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe we didn't even talk about that. We were so busy talking about the episode. Yeah, did we even mention we that it was Xander who called the demon? No, we didn't. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's kind of treated like a gag, but yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I did, you know, Xander should know better. He's following in Willow's footsteps of very casually <laughs> using very powerful magics that he doesn't understand or bother to read the consequences of at a time. Great job, Xander. He killed a few people. Yeah. Um, But yes, Team Demon, I'll be Team Spike, because I think he proved some merit and had had a banging song. Yep. Um, Okay, okay, well, till next time, it'll be a few weeks on our real life end. Yep. 
but then we'll be back to soon to a regular airing schedule. So accurate. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you next week or okay. next time. Bye bye. Right, bye. <laughs> Once more with commentary is produced by me, Allie, and me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. <laughs>